Well, we're at week seven, and if you'll notice, we're still on principle number two. We spent four weeks on principle number one, which is knowing your enemy, right? You gotta know your enemy. You gotta know how he operates because he's defeated, but he's a master deceiver. So he knows how to try to ignite your emotions. He knows how to use people, situations. He's the God of this world system. So he causes things to happen in your life to try to get you to believe, first of all, get you to think that what God says is not true so that you'll start to believe that what God says is not true, so that pretty soon you'll start talking that what God says is not true, and then you'll actually act out that way. But guess what? This is why the word of God is full of light, it's full of power, it dispels the enemy's lies. So we know how he operates, we know who he is, and then principle number two, this is week three on that one, about how that once you know how the enemy operates, you have to, before you can ever pray the prayer of faith, to start a faith battle, you have to secure the word of God on the inside of you. Very, very important. So open up to Mark chapter 11. We're going to jump off here tonight. And this will really help you. Hallelujah. I've been wanting to get to the parable of the sower all week. I don't even think we're going to get there tonight. We may never get there in this series. It's okay, though. It's okay. It's not my fault. It's just the word is so good, and other scriptures come up and take its place, so it's, it's all good. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. This is a, one of the foundational scriptures of this series, and this is, this is an explanation. We're just going to talk about verse 24 tonight, faith, by, faith through praying or you know, how faith works in prayer, okay? Because the battle, the fight of faith starts when you say amen. When you say, Father, I thank you. I believe that I receive in Jesus' name, amen. That's when the faith battle starts. So here it is, Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore, I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, right? What things soever you desire, when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So before you ever prayed the prayer of faith, you have to have God's word that specifically tells you that what you're believing him for, he's already given you, it's already his will. You already know, right? Because faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't have God's word on it, how in the world could you ever have faith? You can't, right? So, so you have to secure the word of God. Another way of saying this is the prayer of faith has the word of God as its sure foundation. We walk and we live, we stand everywhere we go. We are to walk by faith, we're to live by faith. We have to have a foundation under us of the word of God. This is so very important. If you're believing God for something and you can't tell a person three, two or three scriptures that you have at your disposal that you can speak right now, you're not in faith. You need to meditate on that scripture so faith can come so that now you can pray the prayer of faith. Because remember, you have to believe that you receive when you pray. It says if you do that, you'll have it, right? But you got to believe that you receive when you pray. 
Securing God's promise within, what is that? How do I secure God's promise within? What we're talking about, we do that by examining the foundation that we're standing on, right? How I secure it from within is I'm looking down on the inside of me and I can see that I'm standing on a promise. So if I'm believing God for healing, I look down on the inside of me and I see the foundation, right? By it, it, I, part of that foundation could be Psalm 107.20. He sent his word. Well, when did he send his word? 2,000 years ago. And healed them. Right? Galatians 3.13 and 14. It's another part of my foundation. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham could come on me as a Gentile, so that I could receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. And another scripture, according to Deuteronomy 28, that whole from verse 16 on, it tells me about what the curse of the law is. It has all these different types of sicknesses, diseases, genetic disorders that are passed down. And then in verse 61, it says, and everything else not listed in the book. Any other sickness, any other disease. So the curse of the law, which I have been redeemed from, that means I've been bought out of it, is sickness. So that's part of my foundation, right? And then I look over to Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, and I find out that Jesus himself bore the sickness that's attacking my body and carried that pain so I don't have to. See, I have to have this foundation. So how I know I'm securing that promise is because I, it's always coming out of my mouth because it's down on the inside of me in abundance. I'm standing on it. When my body aches, I'm going to speak it. When, a, when I get a report, I don't doubt what the report says, right? I'm not, or I don't deny the report. If I get an MRI and there's a tumor in my body, I'm not going to stand there and go, well, I just deny that. No, no, but I will because of what God's words say, I'll deny its right to stay in my body. It can't stay there. Well, how are you going to be healed of an incurable disease? I don't know. Not only that, I don't care. All I know, because so when Satan asks you, well, how? I don't know, and I don't care. But I know this, it is written. Because the how part's his part. My part is I believe that I receive when I pray, and then I stay at rest. So this is what we're talking about, securing God's promise. Satan's going to always come, he's going to question you, and he's going to challenge you to look at your circumstances. He's going to say, look at, what, look at how you're feeling, look at how long this has been going on, look, at, look, 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 always look to the outside, because he's wanting you to get your eyes off Jesus, on him, or on circumstances, that's how he challenges you. So you got to be ready with the word of God, just like Jesus was in the wilderness, to say, no, it is written. Right? Jesus himself bore my sickness and he carried my pain. I'm, if, let's say I'm facing depression, right? Or anxiety or fear or terror. If it's fear, it is written. I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Right? 
Psalm 91 is a great one about fear. Depression, it's Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Because in Deuteronomy 28, did you ever, it talks about literally anxiety, depression, all these mental uh, things going on with people. It's all in there. It's all under the curse and you've been bought out of the curse. And see, here's the thing. You might feel something, but that doesn't mean it has a legal right to be in your body. And, and here's the thing. When you believe that you receive, it's not like you'll even feel some euphoric thing. All you have to stand on is the fact that God said, I've provided this for you. If you're in poverty and lack, if you can't pay your bills, if you have needs that are not going to be met, Father, I thank you, right? I've got a foundation here. I thank you that you meet all of my need according to your riches and glory, and it comes to me by your son Jesus, right? Father, I thank you. According to Galatians 3, 13 and 14, you've redeemed me from the curse so that you could put the blessing of Abraham on me as a Gentile. And Father, I thank you that your blessing makes rich and you add no sorrow to it. That is written. It is forever settled in heaven and I have made a decision. Because see, the word will do you no good if it's settled in heaven. Unless you decide to make it settled in your life. Because it's settled in heaven. You could live in poverty and lack your whole life. When you get to heaven, the first thing you're going to do is go, oh, wow, I didn't have to live that way. It was right there. Right? Everything's going to be making sense. You'll see people, man, when they're walking around, you could tell if they just got there for the first time. Wow, that's how that works. Man, that would have been so easy to just, wow. God, you were good all the time. There's going to be theologians that are going to be, just be like, oh my gosh. You know, yeah, you're good all the time. In all of my intellect, I just didn't see that, right? It'll all make sense. See, here's the thing. Why are we talking about this? Because you don't always see the answer. Unless that's just me. Do you guys just all believe you receive and you just have it instantly? Every time? No, sometimes there's a little bit of time. Did you notice in that verse, you believe that you receive them and you shall have them, period. It doesn't say you shall have them within 24 hours. If it did, boy, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You'd be like, oh, Satan, you're punked, man. We got three minutes. It's coming, right? But no, 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 no. There's no time limit. Why? Because faith is now. Do you know the Bible says a lot? This isn't our home. We're citizens of heaven. We, we don't live in time. Oh, Tony, come on, you're living in time. You just had a birthday. Oh, yeah, well, on this earth. In this earth, I'm living in time. But I'm living in time in the kingdom of God where there's no time. So I might not understand all about that, but if I just walk by faith, because the Bible says, you believe that you receive and you'll have, that I'm to believe that I receive right when I pray. The Bible gives us instructions on what to do. Very specific instructions from the time that we believe that we receive until the time that we see it in our life. There's very specific instructions. You have to, you have to be ready 
with the word of God in your heart and in your mouth when the enemy comes questioning. He'll come questioning and challenging you. Why is this not working out? Why do you, you know, sister so-and-so, look at what happened to her and, and, and we'll list 25 people that died of that same sickness and disease that you're facing. It doesn't matter. Either God is a liar or his word is true and maybe some people have missed some things. I mean, that's real easy for me to figure out because all I got to do is look at my life and go, I've missed some things before, right? But I could tell you this, we don't have to. And this is why we, we get before the word, we put it in our life, we respect it because the word is not ink on a page. It is Jesus, right? So this is huge. So now let's go to the other prayer of faith that we looked at, John chapter 15, verse 7. John 15, verse 7. John 15, 7. If you abide in me. So let's take the test. If to abide in Christ means that you are in Christ. Romans defines in Christ as the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. That only happens if you invite him in. So tonight, are you abiding in him? Yes. So you have a relationship with him. Everything about faith is based on your relationship with him. Well, let me say this really correctly. Everything with him is based on his relationship with you, right? Because he came looking for you. And you simply said, yes, Lord. And then it says, and my words abide in you. So not only do I have a relationship with him, I also have a relationship with his word, which in reality is a relationship with him because you can't separate him from his word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God, right? And in case you didn't get that, the same was in the beginning with him. So, I mean, he keeps saying it over and over and over again. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask. I love that. Because see, I'm really big on this stuff happens. It's a flow. It's not mechanical, right? If you're not in a flow, I mean, an athlete, a professional athlete will do the basics over and over and over and over and over until all of a sudden you're throwing passes that you don't even think about it. It's just, your, it's just a flow. That's how we flow as Christians. It's we meditate day and night. I don't ever stop meditating in the word, right? So it's a flow. I constantly am confessing his word to get it in my heart. And then when it's in abundance in my heart, it'll start coming out of my mouth, so I'm confessing it now. So I'm constantly flowing. So that when I get pressed... What's on the inside of me is going to come out, right? Have you ever had that? See, when a little pressure, like if you're a sponge, you'll find out what's in that sponge if you squeeze it. And here's the thing, you're going to be squeezed. I'd love to tell you that you're not, but you will be squeezed. It's not if you walk through the fire, it's when, but here's the cool thing. You don't walk through it alone. You walk, the victory is yours. The battle's his. So we just prepare for the battle by getting the word of God in our heart. 
Does that make sense? This is what we're talking about, securing the word. If, if you abide in him and his words abide in you, you shall ask for whatever you will. That's pretty cool. And the word ask, as we said, you will call for, you will require, and you'll make a demand for what you will, and it might be done unto you. No. No, you should be saying no, pastor, right? It shall be done unto you. There's no, there's no possibility. If I abide in him and his word is abiding in me, I will, I, it'll cause me, the word will cause me to call for, to require, to make a demand for what he's already given me, and it shall be done, right? So this is a huge thing. The Bible, if there's one thing I would say about the word of God, the Bible is very definitive. If you believe, it says you shall receive. This is the way it is with everything in the Bible. It's, there's no gray area. God never tells you to try something. Well, I think I'll try that tithing thing. Well, okay, you can try it, but let me save you a little money that you're going to probably lose anyway, right? Because you're not honoring God in your finances. You won't make it. Because the first time you get pressed, you will default to not honoring God in your finances. But if you make a decision, I'm doing this thing. Sink or swim, live or die, eat or not eat, lights, no lights, doesn't matter. I'm honoring God. That person will never stop increasing. Never, never stop increasing. In the same way, okay, I'm facing something physically, I refuse it. Right? Let's say you get diagnosed, I don't know, arthritis. I am never going to say I have arthritis. Yeah, but Tony, you went to the doctor and they told you you had arthritis. Okay, the doctor says I have arthritis. The word of God says I've been healed. So what am I going to believe? I'm going to believe the word of God because do is there arthritis in my joints? Yeah. Facts. Great. Whatever. But I'm never going to receive them because they have no legal right. So I'm going to call them what they are. They're lying symptoms. They're lying to me saying I have to have something that God says I don't have to have. Do you see how I'm defaulting to a higher level? I'm defaulting to truth, and the truth of God's word will change the facts if I'll just believe it. How long? Until I see it. Right? Well, how do you know you're healed? Oh, that's simple. I, I've got this report. It's an 800,000 word report. I mean, it's, it's almost like a doctor's report, right? It's almost like, I mean, it's thick. And if I'll meditate on some of this stuff, it'll even show it to me in 8K. Way beyond, my, way beyond what I could see, it, it gets down in my spirit. Right? So it says, you'll ask what you will, and it shall be done. Let's see another example of this. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, verse 14. Remember, we're talking about living your life on a foundation that cannot be moved. 
The Bible calls you a world overcomer. It says if you are born of God, you constantly overcome the world. That means what you face tomorrow, you are a world overcomer over it. What you're in right now, you could stand there and you just, every time the enemy comes, Father, I thank you that, I, that you always cause me to triumph. I can do all things. You've turned my captivity. I mean, the enemy's going to be going, what's wrong with you? Don't you see this? You're like, man, I, I, can't, I can't see the circumstances. I apologize, Satan. I can't see it because all I see is the brightness of my God. That is what we're talking about. I'm telling you the word of God, the light, the power, the love, because that's what your faith has to be rooted in. The love of God, it will eclipse what you see outwardly. So good. It says in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence, what? That we have in him, if we abide in him. This is the confidence that we have in him. What is, it, what is the confidence? That if we ask, I wonder if this is tied to John 15, 7 at all. The same guy who, who penned John 15, 7, now, much later in his life, he's penning 1 John 5. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we call for, if we require, if we make a demand for, Right? It says it right here. Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we call for, require, or make a demand for, we know that we have the petitions we desired. This word desired means the petitions we've required of him. I don't have to see it all I have to know is that he heard me. Why? Because in him, all of the promises of God are, yes, and so be it unto me. Do you see that? See how it's all tied? Satan is a liar. Nothing can stop the blessing of God from coming to you. And the blessing of God, do we preach a gospel that says God wants you blessed? Absolutely. Why? Because that's what the word says. Why does he want you blessed, though? Right? He needs your name to be made great in the earth. He needs the blessing that he brings. He wants you blessed because he just likes to bless. But he wants to increase your influence so that you can be a blessing. Wherever God sends you, it's for a purpose. Right? So this is... Like, like the, you know, everybody comes against this bless me gospel. You know, I'm sorry. If you're going to preach against that, pastor, then go all the way and take the buckets and throw them out. Why are you taking an offering? I mean, come on. You know, and, and when they come to lock your building's doors, just tell them, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, poverty is godly, and surely they'll let you stay there. No. No. Do you know people are praying for this blessed American church so that, they, so that we could fund the gospel everywhere? But this just doesn't work here. I mean, somebody in parts of the world 
They're riding a new bicycle, and that's like us driving a 7 Series BMW. They're blessed. So see, this is what we, we got to get our eyes on the ball here. If I ask anything according to his will, well, how do I know it's his will? Because his word is his will. If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And man, if I know he hears me, I know I already have what I've asked him for. So there's no, come on, Satan. Come and say, well, what is it? What about this? Who cares? He said. Well, what about this? Who cares? He said. Another way to say that is, it is written. It is written. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. And tonight, I tell you, Satan, it's forever settled in my heart. So his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? This is good news. So how do I get to point A? I have to secure scriptures that tell me that I have what I'm desiring in my heart. Right? Then what do I do? I believe that in my heart and then I speak out of my mouth what? I believe that I receive. The Bible says if I do that, I'll have. So let's talk a little bit. We mentioned it briefly. Let's go back and talk a little deeper on this. Romans 10, 17. So then faith, it says cometh by hearing. The word cometh is not in the original language. It was added by the translators to bring clarity. It would read in the King James, so then faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith comes by hearing God's word. So faith comes as you hear the will of God. Faith comes as you hear God's word. So I have to have, I have to secure the promise. It is my foundation. I'm not trying to stand on a foundation of my own talent, my own ability, how dynamic I am, what church I go to, what doesn't matter, right? What I'm standing on is what he said because it can't be moved. Faith begins where the will of God is known. God's word is his will. To have faith, you're going to have to hear what God's word says on a particular subject. Does that make sense? And when you start to meditate in the word of God, when you hear God's word on a subject, it becomes part of you. This is, see, we're talking about a foundation. You can't separate God from his word. And I'm in God. So I'm going to stand up and say, you can't separate Tony from God's word. Because his word the Holy Spirit is etching it on my heart. It's becoming part of my DNA. I am becoming, well, well doesn't Romans 8.29 say that God's will is for me to be conformed into the image of his son? Well, who's his son? It's the word. So God wants to conform you. He wants you to be one with the word of God. You can't separate me from the word. Satan, you'll never be able to separate me from the word. I don't care what you do. You could come at me any way you want. I'm going to be clothed in the armor of God, which is revelation knowledge of God's word. I'm going to see you coming, and the Holy Spirit's going to say, say this, do this, and you're going to flee like you're running from him. Because isn't the goal 
I, I was and am crucified with Christ, Paul said in Galatians 2, right? Nevertheless, I live. But now wait, the life that I'm living in the flesh, how am I living it? I'm living it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. So now I'm walking in the love of God. I'm walking by the faith of God. I'm being led by the Spirit of God in God. Wow. Colossians even says that I've been tucked, literally, I'm tucked away with Christ in God. So Satan, if you really want to get to me, you got to go through the Father. Wow. And then the Holy Spirit's inside of me and upon me. So you got to go through the Holy Spirit and then through Jesus. So then we talked about Ephesians. So we know how he operates. So we got to secure the word of God because now we've prayed the prayer of faith. Ephesians 6, go to Ephesians 6.10. We're going to read this real quick. So now I've prayed. Father, I believe I receive my healing. Father, I believe I receive my finances. I thank you that it is written. So I believe I receive. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So now here comes the enemy with thoughts. He's challenging you with circumstances, people, things that you can see, feel, smell, taste, all this stuff, right? And so now we know how he comes, though. It says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, here's step number one that you got to do to stand against him. Don't be strong in yourself. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I love that word might. See, a lot of people look at God as this really old-looking guy who's sitting on the throne because they think, wow, he's just been around forever. Yeah, but being around forever when you're not in time and you don't age? If you want to look at what God looks like, he's young. But I love the, if you study the Greek language on the power of his might, the word might literally has within it physicality. The power of his might. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The strength that I find, it's in the locative tense. It's in Christ. It's never outside of Christ. The strength and ability of God is in Christ, and you are in Christ. Satan will work overtime to tell you that you're not, but you are, right? Because you're in Christ, if so be, the Spirit of God dwells in you, right? Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. What you've done has nothing to do with who you are. You're just living out of your flesh, so stop it. You can, because it's not who you are. And when you get a revelation that the person that you think you are, you're really not. You were that person. And by the way, that person was crucified with Christ. He was buried with him. He rose anew. Then he rose anew and he was a brand new person to newness of life with Jesus and is now seated in heaven. That's who you are now. And when you realize who you are now, you'll let go of that low life stuff. You'll realize, wait a minute, sin doesn't have power over me. The power's been broken. I, am, I don't have to live this way anymore. Then you'll realize, wow, all this time, for all these years, I've been beating myself up. Other people have been beating me up, but God has never once ever been beating me up. Right? All God's saying is forget it. Forget it and come with me. So this is big. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on, verse 11, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we found out the wiles, that means that's the, to travel down one road, one way. What is the one way Satan comes against every human being? He comes in after your mind. Your mind is the battlefield. And he is the devil. He is diabolos. He is dia, the first part of that word. It means to penetrate through to the other side. And it's talking about your mind. He wants to penetrate your mind. How does he do that? By abelos, by throwing thought after thought after thought against your mind so that he could penetrate it so that now he could start playing mind games with you and confusing you. The Bible says here, put on the whole armor of God. Be endued with the revelation knowledge of God's word that you may be able to stand against him when he comes. And this word stand has within it to survey the battlefield. When you stand in the revelation knowledge of, of God's word, what happens is it positions you to always see the enemy coming. The Bible the Holy Spirit's ministry, he will show you things to come. He will help you get prepared. Because standing is all about preparing to stand. God wants to get you ready for your next battle. So that when it comes, you rest through the battle. You're not trying to pull up a weapon and try. No, 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 no. You're just believing and speaking and believing and speaking. You're actually praising you're thanking, you're worshiping because you're getting a revelation of God's goodness. You're getting a revelation of God's greatness, right? Constantly, you're getting a revelation of who he is and it helps you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are never your problem. It's who's behind it, the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the satanic hierarchy that are completely stripped of all authority and power. They've been reduced to nothing. All they can do is try to deceive you. You have to let them hurt you, and you don't have to. Does that make sense? Remember, principle one is you got to know your enemy. You got to know how he operates. Verse 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. This is huge. And having done all to stand, verse 14, the first part of that verse is stand therefore. Effective standing has to do with preparation. What preparation? I meditate in the word of God day and night. It's first place. It's first place. So this is huge. Standing means that you've taken some predetermined steps, right? To ensure that the faith that you exercised when you believe that you received, that you will stay with it until you see it manifest in your life. Because the enemy's going to come and he's going to tell you how that there's no way. 
He's going to tell you how scary it is. It's all lies. Nothing can possibly be scary for us because we're with him always. We're in him, right? The Bible says that as you reverence the Lord, it says that the angel of the Lord encamps around about you. Do you know one angel is going to take Satan and throw him in hell? He's been stripped. And he's going to be thrown in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, right? The Bible says one angel is going to bind him and do that. The only variable in this whole battle of faith is how long you'll have to stand. But how you're strong in the Lord is you have to allow yourself to be endued with the armor of God, which is revelation knowledge of his word. You have to allow that in your life. How do I allow that? I put the word of God first. Let God be true. Let everything else be a liar. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm basing my whole life on it. Right? The armor of God enables you to stand against the wiles of the devil not your own ability. Not the fact that you led somebody to Christ three weeks ago. Not the fact that you're a good Christian because you go to church. No. The only reason why we're good is because of who he is. Everything is him. When you get that, you walk in his strength, you walk in his ability, and he, he just has access to everything in your life. So we have to secure God's promise. So now I want you to jump over to John 17. John 17, 15. Jesus is praying this. This is right before he's going to be crucified. And he says this. Now remember, let's put it in context of prayer. Jesus said, at the, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, Father, I know you always hear me. Which according to 1 John, we know means he always answers. Right? So look at, Jesus is praying. I wonder if God would answer this prayer. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from evil. Time out. Wait, wait. Has, has Satan ever messed with you? He's messed with me. So does that mean that God did not answer Jesus' prayer? That would be a first. So what that tells me is, I better look a little deeper, because possibly it doesn't mean that he's going to keep Satan from ever coming to me. Right? Remember Paul? Man, God, this is the third time I'm coming to you. Can you take this messenger of Satan away from me? God didn't say no. He gave him his answer. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient. In other words, Paul, my, I've given you my grace to stop the messenger of Satan. So, Father, I pray that you should take, not that, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I even as I am not of the world. Isn't that cool? This is why you think things 
will satisfy you, but they never will. You can enjoy them, but they'll never satisfy you because, I mean, nothing in this world is going to really satisfy you. What satisfies is knowing God. Why? Well, it's because that's how we're created. It says here, now look at this, verse 17, he gives you the answer of how God is going to keep you in the world, but keep evil away from you. Here's your answer right here. I, Pastor, I'm so glad I came to church because I got this answer. Amen, I agree with you. That's, that's a great statement. It says here, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So the key is, well, what, what does that have to do with anything? I'm glad you asked. The Greek word sanctify, it literally means to separate from anything profane, right? And to dedicate and to purify you to God. Okay? It mean, in context, this means that God will separate us from evil, from Satan, with his word. So, see, this is where everybody misses it. They think, they think wait, what's going on? There's evil happening in my life. Why doesn't God get rid of it? He did. You're allowing it now. He gave you his word to get rid of it. But he can't force you to use his word. You have to decide, I believe his word, and you have to decide to speak his word. And when you say it is written, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God by putting his word above you, See, this is the problem when a Christian, most Christians are more in love with video games, they're more in love with, with, with TV and movies than they are God's word. And so they're living their life, they're their Lord, and it's frustrating because they fall short and they're trying to work it out. But if they'll humble themselves and go, wait a minute, nope, I'm gonna humble myself by submitting myself to God. Why, how do I do that? I roll all the care on him, I stop trying to figure it out. The Bible says, at that point now, I can resist the enemy with the word of God, and he'll flee. Do you see this principle? God did. He answered. God the Father answered Jesus' prayer. He kept us in the world, and he's kept us from evil. How did he do that? He gave us his word so that we can speak to the evil, and it'll have to leave our life. If you understand that principle, man, that puts you right... You'll understand the word of God if you'll just understand that principle. Everybody's praying for God to do something. And see, the Bible said, he told Joshua, he said, Josh, listen, don't seek the blessing. You seek me. You meditate in my word day and night so that you'll observe to do everything that's written therein. And then, Josh, I will make your way prosperous. Now, if you have a translation that says that, throw it out because that's not what it says. It says, and then Joshua, you'll make your way prosperous. The word, the word has been given to you so that you can make your way prosperous. 
The blessing of God will make you the head and not the tail, but it'll never happen until you start speaking that you're the head and not the tail. Because the word of God will do that. Does that make sense? See, the word of God, whoever the son has made free is free, but you'll never be free if you don't continue in his word. Because then when you continue in his word, then you'll know the truth and the truth makes you free. The truth, what am I saying? The word makes you free. The word heals you. The word prospers you. The word, it's the word, it's the word, it's the word. Another way to say that, it's Jesus. What is, what is the walk of faith? It's rest. I let him do it. That's awesome. Hallelujah. You must have the word of God to answer when Satan comes. We overcome the enemy by speaking God's word. Speaking God's word is what puts you over. Does that make sense? How many of you can speak tonight? A lot of you can speak. That's awesome. So I believe all of you can. And, and here's the thing. You are, what I'm telling you is your mouth, listen, you can think, believe, and speak your way out of defeat and into victory, out of sickness and into health, out of poverty and lack and into provision, literally out of depression and into soundness of mind and joy and peace. And Satan knows it. That's why he comes at you. And this Sunday Christianity where I never read my Bible, I go to church for an hour on Sunday and I never, I never think about God anymore, it doesn't work. All it will do is make you feel good about yourself while your ship keeps going down. But you really don't feel good. And then you gotta go start reading books about why bad things happen to good people. And you believe it. And all of a sudden, what who you think God is is not who he is. Why did God allow my loved one to die? Why did God take this baby? Why is God allowing all this crime in the earth? And you don't know your God because the word clearly tells you why. It's right in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give us life so that we could have life. Am I minimizing these horrible things that happened? No, but don't blame God. He didn't do it. It's the enemy who did it, right? It's the enemy. We gotta get that right. The devil will come and tempt you with thoughts of failure and thoughts of defeat. He plants these thoughts to gain access into your heart. Access to what you will believe through your thought life. Your thought, your thought life is the door to your heart. To protect your heart, you must protect your thoughts. What I mean by that is you've got to protect what thoughts you allow into your mind. Right? Proverbs 4.23, you could just write that down. It says keep, that word keep means to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issue or out of it are the issues or the boundaries of your life faith's battleground is of the mind your mind is the entrance into your heart to stay in faith you're going to have to guard your heart by guarding your thought life this is huge 
To believe you receive means like you act precisely in line with what God's word says. That's what it means. Securing God's word means you take the word and that word is the foundation of your prayer of faith. And you use these words to answer the enemy. You have them at your disposal. I don't care if you got to write them. See, don't think because I'm firing this stuff off. You know, when I get under the anointing, I could quote books. It's just I don't memorize scripture. It just will come out of my spirit. So don't think you got to talk like me. Well, I just, I, I can't really remember. Write it down. When a thought comes, pull the card out. It is written. Because I know you believe it. Pretty soon, pretty soon you'll find yourself not pulling the card out. You'll just be like, listen, it is written. And you're quoting scripture and all of a sudden you'll be like, whoa. Right? Because you're speaking out of your heart. You are never to speak out of your, out of your flesh. Well, just tell me how you feel. No, I'm going to tell you how I believe. So here's a big one. I want you to go here. Look at this word. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that you may be justified. It says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. Now verse 26. Put me in remembrance. God is telling you to put him in remembrance. Now, if you understand the context, he's saying, put me in remembrance of my word. God is saying, I want you to put me in remembrance of my word. He loves when you do that. And then he says this. What does that look like to put him in remembrance? It says, let us plead together. Now, are you ready to get excited? Because the word plead, it literally means that he's the righteous judge of all the earth. And he's saying, come on up here. The word, the word plead means judge with me. It means, it means argue your case with me. So now, you got to get this. So God has already judged it. He's already said, by the stripes of my son, you are healed. And God's saying, come up here and you say it with me. Okay, on three, one, two, three. And me and God are saying, I, right? This is what it means. I'm judging it. Are you, sure? are you ready, Tony? Yeah, I'm ready, Father. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Come on, Tony, judge with me again. Judge with me again. Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. I'm judging with him. Argue your case together with me. God's saying, I want, to, I want you in unison with me. Do you see how it's one? It says, decide with me. I've already decided you're healed, so I want you to decide you're healed with me. This word also means defend. I've already defended you, but I want you to stand and say that I've defended you with me. Wow. I wonder why I want you to do that. Well, doesn't the word of God say in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established? Well, when you speak with God, he's already three. So that's four. 
But, but, but doesn't that, see, this is the whole Bible. Hold fast to the profession of your faith. Hold fast to the homo logeo of your faith. It means to say the same thing that God says. God says, I have blotted out your sins. I have declared you righteous and all that that means. And Tony, in that righteousness, you'll be established. You'll be far from oppression. You will be far from fear because it can't come near you from terror. No weapon that's formed against you will prosper. It goes on and on and on and on. But in order to be justified, I've got to say with him. See, it says, let us plead together. And then it says, declare you. You, Tony, declare it. Why? That you may be justified. So the justified that I've made you, I've made you the righteousness, my very righteousness, now you could have everything in your life if you'll just speak what I speak. This is what this is saying. Look, I mean, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation, Old Testament, Yeshua, New Testament word is soterior. It literally means the, the gospel of Christ is the power of God to what? wholeness, wholeness of spirit, soul, and body in every area of your life, deliverance, preservation, material and temporal deliverance from danger and apprehension, pardon, restoration, healing, prosperity. That is the, that's salvation. That's the definition. When you know what God's word says about your situation, now you can cast the whole care on him because you know he's your answer. Why do you know that? Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. So God never lies. Neither the son of man that he should repent. That means he never changes. Isn't that good news? It says, hath he said, and will he not do it? Right? Or hath he spoken, and shall he make it good? Yes, yes, yes. Titus 1, 2 says, in hope of eternal life, which the God who cannot lie promised before the world began. Who are we? Who is our foundation? He won't lie. He can't lie. He never changes. Our foundation is God is good and he never changes. Right? This is why he says, Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And now, because of, I mean, right now I could sense faith in this room. It's settled in your life. I love in Matthew 24, 35, Mark 13, 31. You're going to have to get this to get it. And Luke 21, 33. Those three scriptures, I'll quote all of them to you right now. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. That is those three scriptures. It's talking about the end. God is saying, my word will never pass away. It is unchangeable. I literally, it's settled in heaven. It cannot be changed. I watch over it to perform it. If I've spoken it, I'll do it. This is what we're standing on. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. Luke, this is really good, guys. This is so important. This is what has kind of stirred me this afternoon. 
I got quiet and, and, and I just, I, I, I'm really stirred of the importance of this because a lot of brothers and sisters, a lot of Christians' lives are ruined. And they're in a ruined state now and, and it doesn't have to be that way. The Bible, the Bible talks about it a lot and right here is a major scripture about it. In Luke 6, 43, it says, For a good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather in grapes. What it's saying here is a tree is going to be known by its fruit. It's impossible for an apple tree to, you know, produce grapefruits, right? Now he's going to explain this in verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, you can identify what's in a man by what is coming out of his mouth, right? You can tell the inside of a man by his words. So follow me on this. Verse 46. And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? See, many will say, oh yeah, Jesus, you're my Lord, Lord. I'm, yeah, you're my Lord, Lord, but they're not doing what he says. So follow this thinking, because why? you got to secure the word of God on the inside of you. To do that, you have to see out of, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth is speaking. Well, wait a minute, they're calling him Lord, Lord. So they're actually speaking a lie. Many will say unto him in that day, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I didn't even know you. We're living in a time of great deception. And we've got a wonderful cookie-cutter system that will grow gigantic churches because it, people are never pressed and, they, and it, they're being taught, you could have your life and you could have all the blessing of God too. And what's sad is that's just not true. And, and why am I saying this? Because God is life and he wants you to have it, but you got to choose it. Right? It says here, Luke 6, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? There's many believers' lives that are ruined in these last days. You know, 2 Timothy, I'm, don't go there, but in chapter 3, in verse 1 through verse 5 and verse 7, it lays it out. It says, This know in the last days, in the final days, perilous times will come. Well, now we, that was written 2,000 years ago. That was the beginning of the last days. We are at the end, the final days. We're at the very end of it. This is not going to come. This is here. And we're all living in, it says perilous times. That word perilous means dangerous, difficult, strength-reducing times will come. Why? For men will be lovers of their own self. I mean, don't you feel that pressure? Well, Tony, I don't love myself. Well, do you think about yourself? Do you talk about yourself? God wants you to get free from that because that's not how you were created. But we live in this self-love generation. 
we got to be careful. It says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power. That, that word power is dunamis. We're denying the Holy Spirit thereof. Verse 7, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because you can't get revelation knowledge if your eyes are on yourself and you want to do it your way. To secure God's word, this is a huge thing. The enemy would love for you to have all kinds of stuff to draw you away from the Lord. See, in this country, it's not like other countries. Some countries, it's like, man, you know, they don't have anything. Here, we have so much, we can let, put it in a place above God. We got to be careful. There has never been a more important time to live for the Lord, to, to live this way that we're talking about, for Jesus to be your Lord. As your pastor, I love you, and I know, I know I'm sitting here preaching this to people that love the Lord with all of your heart. You know a lot of people that don't. And here it is. They really do. They're just, it's just all smothered under their flesh. And so how do, we, how do we help them? By grabbing hold of every promise that God's given you and walking it out. Walking in the peace of God. Walking in the love of God. This is how we help our brothers and sisters. God's word must be the foundation of your life. The foundation of everything in your life. It's so important. Verse 47. I'm just going to read these three verses and we'll be done. Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. This is what we're talking about. A foundation of the word of God. And when, not if, the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it. You build your life on the word of God, all hell will break loose in your life and it won't even shake your house. Let alone move you, get you into fear. No, no, we're talking about not even it's like non-existent. He's huffing, he's puffing, and you're smiling and worshiping. That's what we're talking about. But he that hears and does not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Guys, this is what I'm saying, and this is what's so important. This was written, this is the perfect foundation of this whole thing. You secure the promise of God, and it makes it so that when the enemy comes, he doesn't shake you. He can't move you. He can't steal your joy. This is what you're talking about. And, you're, and this way you could help people, because here's the good news. There's people, there's Christians that have built their whole life with no foundation. It's built on a feeling. It's built on, well, I'm a member of this church and my grandmother bought the pew. There's no foundation there. And the storm is coming. It's coming. And if it comes to their house, it's going to cause their house to be washed away in ruin. 
So for us as believers who, who the command is to love our brothers and sisters unconditionally, let's get our eyes off ourselves, And let's, let's literally start living with the foundation of the word so that we can show our brothers and sisters. Right? Their, their house is getting washed away, but they're in your life. And you grab them. And if they'll grab your arm, you could say, listen, I'll build you a foundation right now. I'll help you. And, and the, I mean, this is, this is what we're made for, guys. And don't worry about being blessed because when you seek first the kingdom, he's able to add everything to you. Amen?